Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the name of God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The section of scripture which will serve as a basis for the sermon today is the gospel lesson where Jesus spoke these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Friends in Christ, for this our third week of faithful and free, we're going to take a look, as I mentioned, at our gospel lesson, what's called the parable of the talents. And I'm going to tell you this particular parable is perfect for us because I would actually call it Stewardship 101. I mean, if you want to know what this thing, Christian stewardship, actually is, this really is the parable. We're going to dig into it. And in it, we're going to find Jesus, who, or this Jesus telling us, pardon me, of a man who went on a journey and he left his servants in charge of what he owned. Now, if he left his servants in charge of what he owned, when we take a look at this here, that makes those servants our first blank is what? What did they become? Stewards. That is to say we fill in the blank with the word stewards because a steward is someone who is a manager, not an owner, but somebody who is given a trust to put something to work for someone else, who in this case is their master. He gave them talents that is money, but it wasn't theirs. It had a purpose for their master. And sure enough, what happened is the master went on a journey and when he came back, he found that two of his servants had actually put those talents to work for him. And he said, well done. And then in those blanks, what did he call those, those particular stewards? Two words, good and faithful. Good and faithful, he said to them. Well done, good and faithful servants. But there was a third, sadly, who took his master's talents and buried them. In other words, he decided to do precisely nothing. And when his master returned, there was a very, if you will, sad and dire words that came from his master's mouth. This particular servant was actually called three things, two at once and then at the end. Did you catch those three words? Anyone? Wicked is one, slothful, good old slothful. And the last one is actually, I thought, the worst one of all. At the very end, he actually called the servant what? Did anyone see it? Brave enough? Worthless. Worthless. That is a tough word. That this servant actually served no purpose whatsoever. Now, to understand this particular parable, or any parable of that banner, there's something that you always have to do, and that's you find Jesus in the parable. In this case, he's not too hard to find. Jesus is the master who went on a journey and is going to come back. That is to say, Jesus is our ascended Lord and that he has promised that he is going to return. And when he returns, he is going to judge, as we just confessed, the living and the dead. But until that time, he has given to us, his servants, his stewards, talents. That is all the good things in life, including, yes, money. And the question is this. What are we doing with God's blessings before he returns and asks us to give an account? When the Lord returns, will we hear the words, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. And this is not just a pat on the back or a fluff of the hair. He then says, come and share in your master's happiness, which is to say there is this eternal blessing that we are actually living the faith given to us when we actually use the Lord's blessings for his purposes. Or will we in horror hear the words, you wicked, slothful, and worthless servant, because we are not living for the Lord. Now, this is our third week again of Faithful and Free. And in our first two weeks, we've talked about spending and we've talked about debt. This week, we're going to be talking about what does faithful and free look like? What does it actually look like when the Lord comes and is able to say to you and me, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. What does that look like in the Christian life? And I would tell you here, if we go back to our handout, being good and faithful, it starts with this. It starts with the belief of the heart and mind that can be summed up in one little sentence. Believe that I am his. I'm glad nobody said hungry. All right. Yes. Believe that I am his. That's where it starts. That I belong to God. That he made me. That he has given me life. That Jesus Christ has come and shed his blood on the cross to buy me away from sin and death and Satan. That I belong to life and grace. I belong to him. And that everything God has given to me in life actually belongs to him as well. And I mean everything. It's his. There was a booklet that came out a good 10, 15 years ago. It was on Christian parenting. And there was nothing groundbreaking in this particular booklet, but I've always remembered it because it had one of the best titles I've ever seen. Best, one of the best titles ever. This is the title of the booklet. It said, Children on Loan from God. Now think about that. Children on Loan from God. Very often we talk about, you know, that's my child. That child belongs to me. No one's going to tell me anything about raising this child. This child belongs to me. When there's a pack of kids, you can hear your kid's voice because that's my child. But what does that booklet remind us of? But even our children ultimately belong to God. That God, by virtue of creation, the creator, and the one who has redeemed them, which means purchased them, and took them as his own graciously in the waters of baptism, washing and cleaning our child and saying, that's my child is what God is saying. That means that everything in life belongs to him. Even our children are to be raised unto God because they belong to him. What are you doing with that blessing? For your children, is it his kingdom that's a priority? That we raise, if we call our child, God's way, because if he or she belongs to him, with his laws, his values, with the faith that he has given from above, we are actually stewards even of the children that are in our house that belong to him. How much more so? with something far less valuable, like money. 
The first step in well done, good and faithful servant is simply to say everything in life belongs to him, including my life. I live for him. Then the second step is this. Take a look at step number two. Believe that I am his for, anyone want to take a shot at this one? His purposes. His purposes. The second step is going to work for the Lord with his resources. Okay? Everything is for him. That we are looking for things to do for the Lord and we are eager to do so. We go to work with what is his. It is intentional. One of my favorite parts of this little parable, there's two little words. We're told that the master went away on a journey, and then it says, quote, at once, at once, his servants went to work. There was no hesitation. We know what we're here to do. We are here for the Lord to do his work. You think about this for a second. Maybe you get up in the morning, and sometimes it's, oh man, do I got a bunch of stuff to do today. And you have a whole list. And sometimes you wonder, how are you going to get the things done during the day? But contrast that with something simple like getting up in the morning, and each morning there is an intentional part that is saying, what can I do for the Lord today? What can I do for the Lord today? Do you want to know what being a steward is? A steward, a Christian steward, is somebody that just gets up and says, what can I do for the Lord today? that my life is intentionally going to be lived for God. What can I do for the Lord today? You take a look here, I have Colossians chapter three on your page here, verses 23 to 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's all for Jesus, for his purposes. Now, when it comes then to the matter of, if, if you will, income, if we're going to be intentional, if we're going to be people saying, what can I do for the Lord? It means that we need to have a plan. It means, step three, that we need to make a, a budget. A budget is part of the Christian life. And I'm going to define budget for you. A budget is simply making a, what's that blank? A plan to serve the Lord. That's it. You have to have a plan to serve the Lord. If we are haphazard, if we're just doing, eh, whatever, you know, if there's something, you know, at my bottom of my purse or wallet or whatever it is, I'll remember to do something. That's not a plan. That is not a steward who has a plan of here's what I'm going to do for the Lord. The first thing we do is we're going to make a budget, and then I have some bullet points about how to do this. First thing to make a budget is to list your what? Your income. What has the Lord blessed me with? We have to know that as Christian people. This is part of the Christian life, and I'll explain why it's important here in just a second. Now, the second thing that we have here is that we then prayerfully do what? Determine my your my offering now this is an important thing for you to fill in 
Because now if we had a secular planner here, a secular planner would say, well, the next thing you do is you determine your expenses. But we are not secular planners. We are Christian stewards who desire to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Which means that the next thing we start with is the Lord himself. What am we going to do in terms of an offering? It's something I talked about a couple weeks ago called first fruit giving. We start with the Lord. That's where we start, with him. And some people say, well, that's tough. How, how can I start with him? How do I do that before I put in the mortgage? How do, I, how do I do that? Well, you do it with faith in the Lord's promises. I have at the top of the back page when you flip it over, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What are the words of Jesus here? But seek what? First, the kingdom of God. First, in all his righteousness. But it comes with the promise. All these things will be added to you. God comes first, but there's a blessing. The blessing is, I'm going to take care of you. I've got you. It's going to be okay. I'm going to provide everything for you. It comes with a blessing that the Lord will take care of us. And we trust him and in faith then put him first. Now, the second thing we do is we then, that next bullet point, is give proportionate, proportionately, okay, or to or of our income. All right. Now, what does this mean here? If you go back to our parable, you notice that there were two stewards at the beginning, right? And the two stewards were given two different amounts of talents. And each of them then gave two different amounts back to their master. But it didn't matter how much they gave back. It wasn't like one was said to be better than the other. It didn't matter how much. Each gave back proportionate to what he was given and heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We understand proportions. I'm a sports fan, I think you know, and maybe some of you have seen this before in sports. There could be an athlete who did something he shouldn't have done, like bump a referee. And that athlete might be suspended or given a fine. And you hear in the news that such and such athlete was fined $2,000. And we chuckle because we know that athlete is making $12 million a year. And you're going, mm, yeah, he really felt that one. I'm sure he feels tremendously punished by that one. It's like if you get a speeding ticket and said, here's a ticket for a nickel. And you're like, yeah, I guess I'm going to go 90. Uh, you know, the proportionate, if you will, part of this matters. It matters. I mean, we understand when there's something wrong if we have a teenager who is giving more than somebody making six digits a year. Something is off with the proportions that are there. Now, the portion that God gives in Scripture that has kind of been a standard, if you will, a guideline for a long time, is the tithe. If you will, 10% a good guideline. And once again, same thing with the first fruits. People think, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. And we start to freak out. My encouragement to you is simply take a step. Take a step in that direction. Trust the Lord and take a step. Plan it out and see if the Lord 
takes care of you and blesses you. Then, after that, then you list your expenses. You list your expenses. I encourage husbands and wives, you got to do it together. You cannot do this separately from one another. As we talked about last week, we talked about how credit cards can be abused, expenses can careen out of control, leading to ex uh, experience the painfulness of debt. Husband and wife put it together, you list your expenses, subtract it from your income, and then the last part, number four, number four, fourth, it says, prioritize your needs. Then you put down all those things you need, food, shelter, utility, clothing. But you see in all things, God is at the top of the list, which means that this is gonna be done faithfully and freely with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm gonna close with this, two things. This is gonna be a tremendous blessing to you. And by the way, not just as individuals, but as Christians together in a family called a church. Let me start with individuals. I cannot even tell you how many times someone has come up to me after giving, somebody who is really struggling, can I really do this? Can I do this? But they, they went ahead and did it. And they said, Pastor, I really feel good about this. This has really been good. This has tremendously blessed me. And I was, they'll actually say, I was scared to do it. And they did it and they found the Lord blessed them. And they talked about how they felt much more close to the Lord. And that doesn't surprise me because this is actually what Jesus actually says in Matthew 6, 21. I put down this verse here on your page where it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is kind of interesting. Not where your heart is, there your treasure will be, but you put your treasure somewhere and your heart follows, Jesus says. That I'm going to be drawn closer to the Lord and his work as I give to that. I feel really good about it, they say. It's a tremendous blessing. The Lord loves a cheerful giver is what comes next after that with 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It's to say, yeah, this is a good thing. This has been fantastic. And then as a church, I did a little exercise here in terms of planning. Let's just say for a moment Everyone at church this Sunday went to Caribou Coffee once a week, every single person here, and had a wonderful Caribou Coffee. All right, now that includes like even the little children, like two-year-olds, and parents, you could imagine your two-year-old with a full Caribou Coffee in them. Sarah's saying, no, I'm actually, she's actually waving a finger at me in church. Wait, what would a two-year-old look like with a full caribou? That's fun to think about. All right, but now let's say it's once a week. Now let's say everybody here that came to church on Sunday gave up that once a week caribou coffee and instead took that money and actually gave that money as an offering. Do you know what that would total per year? That would be, are you ready for this? $84,000 and change to the work of the Lord. If every person 
simply gave up a caribou coffee and gave that money to church. As individuals, we kind of go, oh, what does this little bit actually do? As a church family, think about that. $84,000. And sometimes with church, here's how we think. We think, oh my goodness, are we going to have enough? Oh, they talk about money because we don't have enough. That's not why we're doing this. Not at all. This has to do with our relationship with God and being faithful and free. But now think about it. Instead of, do we have enough? I want you to think about it like this. Imagine if I gave you $84,000 and I said, I want you to go on a spending spree for Jesus. $84,000 and you take it and you get to go on a spending spree for Jesus. Think about it like that for a second. What would you do? Seriously, what would you do? Send the money to Ukraine, to our churches there, to support people who are suffering. You could have it where 25 kids from our community could go to our school to maybe hear about Jesus for the first time and be raised in the truth of God's word. We could build, have room for more ministry and other activities for Jesus we could do here at church. Seriously, instead of thinking about, oh, do we have enough? Think of it like this. What has the Lord blessed us with that we as a family then can have a spending spree for Jesus? <laughs> Doesn't that make you smile? It makes me smile when we do this together. Blessing for individuals and a church. So I tell you what this week, my encouragement is for you to prayerfully fill out your commitment card. Like Sarah talked about, just pray about what the Lord has blessed you with. How can we bless others? Certainly in prayers. But always with this as an eye, an eye on, just the Lord returns and in his son we hear, well done good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful church. Well done, Zion. Because we are a people that are living for him as his, faithful and free. And may the peace of God surpass us all understanding. Watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ's name. Amen.